The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, where uh, the good times are as rare as a Malik Willis completion. My name is Matt Connor. I'm with Sterling Holmes. Uh, how are you today, my friend? We, Dude, we have a great time here. Don't give me that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. They're just good times are rare, but the great right. times. Good times, bad times. You know we've had our share. Malik Willis forgot how to throw a pass or that he was even allowed to throw a pass in the fourth quarter. But you know what? We'll take it. I'm doing well, man. You know what? I can't complain. Life is good. I got a Casey Birko. I'm doing this show with you. How are you doing? I'm good. I, I have some bad news, maybe. This might be my last show. I've learned I'm a finalist for the Indianapolis Colts defensive coordinator position. So if they hire me, I will not be able to do this anymore. So <laughs> just know if you guys don't see me anymore, it's because I'm on the sidelines in Indianapolis and, you know, they play me better than Sterling does. I'll just say it that way. Well, I'm surprised Edron James is not the running backs coach right now. That that's the biggest shock right now. He is. The, yeah, the they just haven't made that official yet. But he, he yeah, that's happening. That's happening. Uh, before yeah. we talk a lot of Chiefs, let's do the Casey Bierko read let's do because it. you know what? With all these political ads going around, we should do a political ad for Casey Beer Company. Casey yeah. Beer Company, smooth as anything out there. Mm-hmm. Casey Beer Co. You'll drink it. You'll be happy. It's delicious. We're not going to run down our opponents. But do you think our opponents make their beer with only four ingredients? What purity laws are our opponents using? We've been using the same purity law since 1516. That's a long-ass time. What are they hiding over there? With Casey Beerco, you know what you're drinking. We have nothing to hide. It's just delicious, nutritious, outstandingly good beer time and time and time again. Don't drink the other beer. Drink Casey beer. Find it in the red boxes at your local store. If you're in Kansas or Missouri, if not, come to Kansas and Missouri. Go to the beer hall, pick you up some. They also have the beer advent calendar coming out right now, which looks freaking badass. But Casey Beer Co., trust me, you will love it. We are drinkers and we approve this message. You need that tagline at the end. Folks, if if you're hanging out with us, you probably stayed up real late to... See the Chiefs like barely make it past a team with Malik Willis at the helm. I I don't know what you make of this. I mean, a W is a W, right? I mean, at the end of things, we won't remember this unless someone says, remember that crazy Titans game? And then you'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But uh, let's spend some time unpacking that. Let's remember the Titans, if you will. But I'd like to look at, uh, I think we should split it up, Sterling. Let's talk offense, and then we'll talk defense. I'd love to get from you. 
I mean, if you want to make your thoughts offensive, you can. Or if you want to make them offensive thoughts, you can. Or maybe you have offensive thoughts about the offense. What do you make of that crazy game? It goes to show yards, time of possession, first downs. It doesn't mean a lot. All that really matters is scoring, right? Like, you can have all those yards, but unless you finally punch it in, it's empty calories, if you will. Uh, yeah. I think offensively, Mahomes basically said, over my dead body, we're not losing to the bleeping Titans again. And, and you saw a couple of those runs, uh, one of the long ones. He drew it up. He goes, everyone's going deep. It almost looked like a quarterback draw. I could tell from, from watching the game, I go, he's about to run this ball. He's having everyone go deep. He's waiting for the pressure to come, and then he's going to scurry out like he's – he runs like you played 45 minutes of basketball, you know, and you're just tired as shit. You're just sitting there, and your back's hurting. He runs like that, but somehow he's always faster than the guy chasing him. But Mahomes basically just put the team on his back. Uh, offensively, it was nice seeing Kadarius Tony, right? Yeah. Got more snaps than I thought. First yeah. play of the game, getting him involved. Looked quick, looked shifty. Uh, McCole Hardman, give him some more credit. Didn't uh, shy away from Kadarius Tony getting uh, – you know, being traded for. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, as good as ever, starting to run routes more like Travis Kelsey. Like, I'm not saying that's who he is, but if you watched what he did in that game, ran a lot of Travis Kelsey-esque routes. He's not the most athletic guy, not the fastest guy, but he knows how to get open. That's what we saw. Uh, MVS was mostly non-existent, and I think we'll see that from time to time. In a game where there's 68 passes thrown, you know, MVS, you'd like to see more involved. But I I do think this is what he did in Green Bay. There was no reason for him to all of a sudden be a consistent, uh, you know, 80-yard-a-game type player here in Kansas City. That's not what the Chiefs signed up for. It'd be nice to see some more deep balls to him, but uh, we shouldn't be shocked. You know, running the ball is still a massive issue. I'm sure we're going to get to that a little bit later, but offensively, for the most part, what I took away is, you know, yards don't necessarily matter. Time of possession, I've always thought, was slightly overrated. What matters is, can you score the ball? Obviously, Harrison Bucker missing a field goal. Uh, That was huge. You know, the extra point kind of worked its way out because the Chiefs made the two-point conversion, but a lot of miscues. Eventually, you have to find a way to get the ball in the end zone. I agree with you on, on a lot of that stuff. I, I'd like to talk about, though, you know, when you have an electric offense like this, when you have such a deep array of pass catchers, for this offense to continually – I don't want to say continually, but there are key moments of long stretches where this offense disappears, right? I mean, you know, my mind goes back, obviously, to last postseason when I was, like, yelling at the TV because I couldn't believe – that, that drive after drive after drive, the Bengals, who couldn't do anything in the first half, had made a series of adjustments and the Chiefs couldn't even move the chains at all, right? And it felt like that again last night where early on you go up 9 nothing, and you're thinking, oh gosh, that 14-point spread doesn't even nearly cover what this game's going to turn into. And then suddenly it was it was over, right? I mean, Derek, Derek Henry, like, goes for what 92 yards and two touchdowns in the second quarter. So the defense had some problems there, but the offense took two, two and a half quarters to that's a lot of drives. That is a lot of drives. Some of those are penalties. Some of those are drops, but I still just find it hard to believe that, that the chiefs trot out a punter after just three downs so often Mm. in a game like that, that, yeah, that's really frustrating to me. So I guess I just wondered, like, like, what do you make of that? Is that just a, look, everyone's going to have a bad day. There's no way around that. Yes. Okay. 
Yeah, because I, I've said it multiple times, any given Sunday, you're not always going to play your A-plus game. It's can you find a way to get it done when you're playing your C game, right? I mean, the Titans aren't a horrendous team. Uh, you know, offensively with Malik no. Willis, they, they, they were not great, obviously. They really shied away, and we'll go to the defense later on. But the Titans were 5-2. and two. They're not a horrible team. Their defense was legitimately good. Yep. They got in Travis Kelsey's grill the entire game. I, that's the most I've seen Kelsey be that tired, right? I've never seen him that exhausted. Mm-hmm. And you can tell they're beating him up. They're making the referees throw flags. And you're not going to call a penalty every single time, even though they tried. Cleet Blakeman was out there trying to see how much screen time he could get. Was it 18 accepted penalties? But you're not going to call it every time. And they're like, we're just going to keep beating up Travis Kelsey. And Kelsey still had a great game, right? But they were beating him up. When it comes down to it, they tried to take him out of the game, and that was the game plan. Try to be as physical as possible. Uh, The tackles didn't do a great job, in my opinion, even though, you know, 68 dropbacks, four sacks, it doesn't look horrible. And I think two of those sacks were on Mahomes. Or if you want to say covered sacks, you can. Sure. But it, it looked like Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley got beat multiple times where it was a quick throwaway, where Mahomes just didn't have any time. And that doesn't necessarily show up. There's a lot of room to grow. And I do think one of the major issues for Kansas City continues to be the lack of the ability of running the football. And it's a multifaceted issue, in my opinion. Uh, part of it's the coaching staff not getting the running backs into any sort of rhythm. Sometimes it's not using your personnel correctly. Like, why are you running outside with clock? That's not his game. That's that's not what he does. Part of it is the offensive line. For such a highly touted offensive line, who's supposed to be great in the run game, maulers, right? Why are there no holes? And then the running backs. We keep hearing about Isaiah Pacheco, and I keep saying he's not the answer. I'm not saying he's bad. But it's, it's not just going to be, oh, put him in, and now the, the, the run game's fixed. Did you see it look fixed with him in there? I sure didn't. And I, I hear I see people saying Ronald Jones. I don't think he's going to do anything different either. If there's no holes, there's no holes. And that's what it looks like to me. I think it's something they have to get fixed, whether it's a scheme issue, whether it's because they keep running man, uh, you know, man runs, zone runs. There's no, there's too much, I think. There's just too much going on when it comes to what they're trying to do in the run game. They only ran it, I think, 13 times, 12 times outside of Mahomes for 14 yards. It's just a major issue. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc what's so special about hero bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Someone had a question about Ronald Jones. 
Um, right here, we're just seeing, you know, Greg, Gary Holland says they should start Rojo. I'll say this about Rojo and then leave it there. I could be wrong. The Chiefs have at times played the wrong guys. Like we're watching Ben Neiman on the field and you're di- or Dan Sorensen on the field and you're dying going, play someone younger. You know he's not fast enough for what you're asking him to do. And maybe that's happening in the backfield. Maybe. But the truth of it is, uh, Rojo looked like a guy who was going to get dumped before the final preseason game. So he barely makes the roster. He didn't, you know, like if they thought he was going to be good enough, he would be in there instead of Jet McKinnon or instead of Pacheco or instead of Clyde or in addition to them. And they would make a cut from somewhere else on the roster. The fact that he's been sitting as a healthy scratch for several weeks for a team that could use some productive help in the backfield I think tells you what they think of Rojo. And it doesn't mean they don't like Rojo. It just means they don't like what he brings to the table right now for what they're trying to do on offense. So, you know, I just don't know that Rojo is like, should get any of us excited, except the fact that it's human nature to want the thing that's not there right now and to be more enamored by the mystery than by the known quantity right in front of you. Well, and that's what I was kind of alluding towards with Isaiah Pacheco. We knew what Clyde was, so people were claiming for Isaiah Pacheco, and now folks are already claiming, clamoring for Ronald Jones. Again, I think it's a multifaceted issue. I think one of the major issues is the is the RPO. I, I know it worked for, for early on in Mahomes in, the, in this offensive tenure, right? But other teams have now, defensively at least, they've seen it before. This is not new. They know how to defend it better. Uh, Mahomes sometimes... In the RPO, you don't have time to look towards your second read because the offensive line will be too far downfield. The offensive line is not looking back saying, hey, Pat, you you handing it off or you throwing it? There's no time for that. And we saw a few times in this game, offensive line was too too far downfield. There's a penalty. Almost got Nick Allegretti until Mahomes went over to the uh, the ref and go, hey, he was eligible. And by the (laughs) way, Allegretti ran a very nice curl route right there. He was open. He could have taken that four-yard catch. I I trusted him there. He should line up. He should line up good. But but my, my point here is I think the RPO is somewhat hurting Kansas City at this point because defenses have figured it out. It, it takes too long for the running back to get anything going, and defenses are basically saying, hey, if that first, opens, first option's not open, we guard that first option, we're going to stop the run. Yeah. And I think that's an issue. It hurts the offensive line. Mahomes is not going to hand it off that often because he wants the ball, which I don't blame him. But I do think that's something that the Chiefs need to – uh, consider at least sh- lightening up even more than they currently are. I'm with you there. I, w- I want to go back to the line here and talk about what are we seeing with, you know, you call them the Maulers and like what's going on there. Right. I mean, if I think back through the season, I can think of several games where I've noticed Joe Tooney playing well, where Creed is like getting his pancakes, you know, where, Trey has struggled with some injuries, but he's also shown up to be just as physical and tough as you'd like. With an interior like that, they should be imposing their will on most teams. Now, Andy said, Andy said even after the fact, um, you know, that he was talking about the the Titans' defensive line and just basically like admitted, like yeah, like yeah, kind of we like kind of like we admitted we gave up. I mean, like Simmons is just good. Those guys are just that good and instead of like trying to like build up a like bust through a wall we might as well just take our like we have other things we can do whatever and but you think you're paying those guys to burst through those walls that's really frustrating to me 
when you think you have the players that you do, do the Chiefs not have the players that they think that they do? Are the Titans just that rare of a of a defensive front? Like, what do you like? What do you make of what we're seeing? Because this isn't the first time. Again, I, I think it's more the majority of it's going to be coaching. And I think it's, I, again, I, I think it's the RPO. I, I think the offensive line's not able to have any sort of cohesion with the running back and it's throwing things out of, you know, off track. And, and that's what I, I, I'm, I, what I'm seeing right now is that the RPO, in my opinion, is starting to hurt Kansas City more than it's helping them. Okay. And, and, and that's what it is because the running backs, we, we've seen all three get their, their shot at least that are currently on the roster. We haven't seen Ronald Jones, but again, I don't. I think he's clearly the fourth best running back. He's an insurance policy. The offensive line is supposed to be Maulers. I mean, Creed Humphrey is always rated out well. Trey Smith, while he's having a down year, he's still a, a massive man, massive human being. He still gets some push up front. Joe Tooney's still playing as an all-pro. I, I just think it's a scheme issue. That's what yeah. I, I, I truthfully believe. I don't think the running back matters. It's got to be a scheme issue. It's why the 49ers, they can thrive with any single running back back there. They have a system and they stick to it. It works for them. It doesn't matter who the running back necessarily is. Yeah. And, and that's why I always say the offensive line, the scheme matters more than the running back themselves. I know we're supposed to be talking about the Titans, but I want to project a little bit because you brought up the tackles, brought up the issue. And I've never asked you this. Next year at this time, uh, or let's say next year on opening day, I guess that's bit next year on opening day in baseball, right? On opening <laughs> week. Um, like right now we have, Orlando Brown Jr., Andrew Wiley. Next year in September, do you think that zero, one, or two of those guys are in place? Oh, man. I don't know if Wiley makes it through the end of the season as a starter. I think we're going to see Lucas Niang at some point. Okay. I truly think we're going to see Niang at some point by the time the season's over. Orlando Brown Jr. is an interesting one. His play... His contract's going down. I mean, the more he plays like this, that contract's going down. The Chiefs could franchise tag him, but that's a lot for one year for a mediocre average left tackle. I don't think Orlando Brown Jr. is horrible. I I think there's some nuance here. I I don't think he's as good as he thinks he is. I don't think he's, I think he knows he's playing poorly, right? No, I don't think he's fooling himself and saying, yeah, I'm playing like Trent Williams right now. No, right, right. We're not hearing any of those quotes right now. No, he's, Average right now. He's average. There's probably what? 10? Like really, really good left tackles. 10 average guys. 10, you know, you're, you're struggling with. He, he's in that middle category. He's not the worst left tackle. They bring him back on a, um, I don't want to say team friendly because he wants to get paid. He talked his way out of the Ravens because he didn't want to play right tackle. He wants to get paid. So he's not taking a team, team friendly deal. If he accepts a deal that's market value wise, you know, right in the middle, we could see him back, but I think he's gone. I, I'm starting the more and more. I, I think he's gone. Do you think it's a tag and trade or do you think it's just a, we're just going to let him walk and take the comp? Maybe take the comp. A, a tag and trade. I don't know what, who's trading for that on that franchise. That's a lot of money for one year guaranteed. Yeah. I would assume you would do so with. Like, Only if you have the place. You would have to have something already a contingency in place. You're not letting him walk. And then all of a sudden you're like, well guys, Let's figure it out. No, there's going to be something in place, whether it's a draft pick, whether it's a trade in place, whether it's another guy out there in the market, there'll already be a contingency in place. Yeah. I was just curious about your, your thoughts about the future there. What about Um, you? What do you think? Yeah. It's hard for me to see how this works out at this point. I think some of the early 
rah, rah, we want to be with each other. Um, rubbed off even before this season began with some poor performances. Um, if it were easily explained by a nagging injury, and then we saw Orlando return to form, which not his form, but at least like a top seven tackle, then I think a deal can be done and whatever. And there's still half a season left, so maybe that's true. But yeah, it's hard to say. So then when it comes to the wide receivers, you know, we're seeing, um, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster playing a role, like a major role here, stepping up in that way. Um, I know we have a piece going up tomorrow from Lyle Graverson talking about whether or not we should, like what would an extension look like? And, and he, I'll give a, to give a preview of the piece, he crunches the numbers, crunches the other average numbers. Juju's on pace for a kind of season like Chris Godwin had last year, right? And there was one other guy too. In other words, guys that are going to get paid like 20 mil. Um, like what is it? Are you up for bringing back Smith Schuster? And are you up for bringing him back at good money? Yeah. Uh, yes. And yes. Okay. I, I, I think he's a guy who he's relatively young for how long he's been in the NFL watching him more this year. I've been even more impressed at his route running his ability to get open while not having top end athleticism, which I think will bode well as he ages. Uh, you know, I do think he's going to get a, a good contract. I mean, if you look at Christian Kirk, I know the Jags overpaid. I will say Christian Kirk's having a really good season. He'd be a great wide receiver too. I think shoots uh, Juju Smith-Schuster fits more as a top end wide receiver two, a back end wide receiver one. So maybe you're looking at a similar contract and that's about 20 mil a season. Uh, if you're Kansas City, though, I, I think you've seen what you can do with him. He's starting to progress even more and more with Mahomes. They seem to have that sort of relationship, that that on-the-field ability to consistently get it done, especially in tight moments. Um, he makes a lot of sense, especially if you're going to have a lot of other cheaper wide receivers on the roster, especially like Kadarius Toney, right? That's a guy on a rookie contract. If you're going to have Sky Moore on a rookie contract, you can afford to spend more money on Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, I also think it behooves Juju Smith-Schuster to stay here in Kansas City. You know, he's he's now had a taste of what it's like with Mahomes with an elite offense. I'm not saying it's going to take a team-friendly deal, but if the if the offer was like one million more to go to, let's just say uh, the Jags, right? I, I think he would take the one million less to stay in KC. If it's five million more, that's a different situation. But I think if the offers were, were similar, I think he would stay in KC. I think it benefits both teams. Yeah. Uh, General 51 says, I think Juju's mad he didn't make the jump to us last year. Uh, I think you're totally right there. And if yeah. the right team came calling, he'll jump at the money. You know, Juju has never had the major payday because of injuries. It would behoove him to do so. And and I think General's right about that. That a lot of these guys have like one really good chance at like generational wealth. And, um, and so that, you know, that makes a lot of sense that way. Although, um, you know, obviously we, I think we all want to see him. No, not only is he a great player, he's just a good guy. Right. I mean, like, like anytime you're reading about Juju, you're like, I love what he says. I I love the way he interacts with his teammates. I love his, um, his civic responsibilities. I, I like, I just love the whole package. Yeah. So he's the kind of guy that you want to see, uh, see around. Um, and let's talk. Let's talk defense here. Um, your boy Nick Bolton, right? Like I'm, I'm listing to him after the game. 
And, you know, he said, man, he, he was talking about how proud of the defense he was. He said, look, I think he said, look, I think we held him without a first down for 40 minutes. You know, I don't care who you are in the NFL. That's like a hell of an accomplishment. Bolton himself has taken some real shots this offseason or this season um, in terms of like, you know, social media opinion, whatever. What did you think of watching the Chiefs defense on Sunday go through both a difficult quarter and then shutting the shutting the show down in the entire second half? Well, first off, he had one of the biggest plays of the game, taking the Titans out of field goal range on that incredible stop. Nick Bolton, when he plays free like that and just comes straight downhill, he's one of the best in the NFL at doing that. Yeah. He, he, he truly is. Uh, I, again, I, I'm someone who's very – I dislike the the hate of Nick Bolton because I think there's there's way more it's, – it's again, the same with the run game. I think it's a multifaceted issue when you blame Nick Bolton. I think he, he's the green dot. He does all the stuff in the middle. It's easy to point blame at him. I, I think he's a phenomenal linebacker. I truly do. Uh, but I am so enthused by the defense. Trent McDuffie, first game back. Good one to ease him back into after injury, right? Malik Willis. But he did a very nice job. I, I mean, he did a very solid job in this game. Uh, Legereus needs solid as always. Um, the D-line really stepped up late. I mean, I was I was thrilled at how much they were getting after the quarterback late in that game. Chris Jones was a game wrecker. Colin Saunders, come on. Give that guy more playing time. Seriously, Love Colin it. Saunders, uh, Derek Naughty, he's had a down year. I like Derek Naughty. Still, he fills a role. But Colin Saunders needs to get more snaps. Find a way to get him in the game. Carlos Dunlap looking young again. Yeah. Uh, Mike Dana got after the QB a couple times. Couldn't wrap it up, but he, he got there. And then even George Karloftis, you saw the motor on a couple plays where you're like, wow, he, he really made an impact. Didn't get the sack, but he made an impact on plays. We're like, okay, we're, we're seeing some progression here. Um, defense as a whole, I was just very, very enthused with. I don't know why it takes Spags a half to make adjustments, <laughs> but I will give him this. He's making those adjustments at halftime. I said on the post-game show, I don't know if it's because he's so he trusts his players so much, right? I don't know if he's saying, you know what, I will give you the opportunity in the first half to go one-on-one to do it our normal way. And if it doesn't get done, then I'll adjust. But he's done that. Think of Mike Evans. First half, single coverage. Second half, bracketed. Uh, Mike Williams for the Chargers. First half against him, single coverage. Second half, he was bracketed. This game, for some reason, did he forget that it was Malik Willis playing quarterback? Like, we knew the Titans were going to run. But he still was like, all right, let's respect Malik Willis to see if they're going to throw. And then eventually he goes, you know what? They're only going to run the ball. Let's let's send the house. And it worked. So I I will give Spags credit for adjusting at halftime in games. But also I'm sitting here going, do it in the first half, please. Don't make it. Don't make it closer than it has to be. <laughs> yeah, I'm with. I'm with you. I I uh, I thought it was a wonderful performance. I thought they did a great job. I I, you know, Henry didn't get anything in the second half. They made their adjustments. It was great. Uh, by the way, my favorite comment may come from Oracle of Delphi, who says Bolton rocks. I have all his music. Uh, <laughs> I agree. They both have the same hair length. By the way. Um, so yeah, that works out pretty well. Um, <laughs> J Cole, well, I, I, I will say joke. J, uh, J Cole had a good one earlier. It said for MVS, Marquez vanishes sometimes. <laughs> that's totally, that's totally it. I, I, I have a hard time believing he's going to be sticking around beyond this year because the next two years of his contract 
are largely structured like team options more than they are like guaranteed years for him. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what the Chiefs decide to do there, depending on how expensive Juju gets um, or not. But um, yeah, look, Sterling, I'll say this because the Titans game for me, it, it after the fact, I thought I've got to stop overthinking things or getting cute. Look, like like we like the Titans are well coached mm-hmm. with a good defense, and they'd won five of six. I don't know why in my head I was like, oh, Malik Willis is starting. They're up by, they're going to win by 30, right? Which is what I said in the preview show. (laughs) But the truth is, you think like coaching, good coaching covers a multitude of sins, right? I mean, like, like so many mistakes can be covered by a smart coach who knows how to minimize their weaknesses and maximize strengths. And Vrabel is a hell of a coach. Um, And he, Maybe there's a ceiling there. Maybe he can't take a team all the way for some reason, but I don't think he's ever had the personnel to do so. And I think he gets the most out of every roster I've ever seen. Like very rarely have I ever looked and thought, boy, my Vrabel, like Vrabel's coaching a sad game today. Like that just yeah. right. And so, yeah, I, I think it was just important for all of us to remember that kind of thing. And, and then, you know, we do this every time, like even in the preseason, when we see like every NFL analyst go, this could be the year the Chargers take over the division or something. Like it sounds cute to overthink things. Yeah. But the truth should be until it's been proven, don't disprove it. And what had been proven was the Titans are a tough opponent. They always play the Chiefs well, they always have the Chiefs number. It's going to be a tight game. And a lot of us got too cute and overthought it. And, and then we uh, we stayed up late biting our fingernails, having to watch Mahomes' magic at the very end, finally put up a, a W. So I think that was my primary lesson learned, um, you know, was just not to overthink those things. The physicality of the Titans works for them. It doesn't work for every team. You know, I mentioned early on how they were, they were basically trying to beat Travis Kelsey up, and that's why we got so tired. I mean, anyone would be dying if they were doing what was happening to Travis Kelsey, the fact that Travis Kelsey had the game he did with everything going on was astounding. Just shows you how good he really is, but not every team can play like that. You have to have the guys. You have to be bought in. You have to have the coaching staff to be able to play that physical. It's why it's like, well, why don't the, the Bengals play like that? They can't, you know, the, they can't play. Although the Bengals do, they've done well against Kansas City in the past. But my point is not every single team can play like that. You know, you got to give Rabel uh, credit. I've been saying all season long, this, if there's ever a year where coaching matters more than, than any other season, it's this one. Look at Brian Dable with the giants. Look at Robert Sala with the jets. Look at uh, O'Connell with, with the Minnesota Vikings. They've all bought in that culture shift up there is incredible to watch. I mean, yeah. honestly, that's, that's something to watch out for. Um, uh, I'm trying to blame the guy with, um, the old Niners guy with uh, the 49er or with the uh, Miami Dolphins. I think he's in a fantastic yeah, job. Yeah. But if you want to take the other side of it, let, let's talk about, you know, Brandon Staley. Let's talk about Josh McDaniels again. <laughs> I, I mean, like talk about uh, Nathaniel Hackett for, for the Broncos. If there's ever a season where you're like, yeah, head coaching matters. It's this year. Also Pete Carroll doing a great job. Uh, Arthur Smith with, with the Atlanta Falcons. You know, this is a year where coaching really, truly matters. 
Yeah, the you know the margin is so thin in the NFL. I just think it's that. Um, I want to talk about coaching, and I want to talk about the Jags here in a minute. But I I want to bring up just a couple individual players and kind of get your thoughts. Let's talk through kind of their fit, where they're going, what they're doing. Um, one of them is not on our list here. I want to talk about Sky Moore, mm. and I want to get your opinion here. We have a loaded, a loaded. I've never in my I've been a Chiefs fan since Christian Okoye's rookie season. And the Chiefs have never had a wide receiver room as loaded as this one. Never, right? Mm -hmm. Top to bottom, there's no way. There's no way that they've had this electric of a wide receiver room uh, that goes as deep as, like, adding Kadarius Toney to the mix. I mean, you're, like, you're sitting your your second-round pick like like it's a nothing while other guys like like uh you know Alec Pierce or whoever is getting you know is getting regular playing time. So my question to you is what do you make of uh what do you make of this rookie season for Sky Moore? How disappointed are you by it? Are you not worried at all because because it's a rookie and and what I like I guess I'd love your feelings overall on the first half of the first season from Sky Moore. I'm I am not worried at all. And I, and I will agree with you. I think this is the deepest we've seen by far the deepest. Again, no Tyreek Hill. I was trying to think of who was the best guys underneath Tyreek Hill, but you're right. Top to bottom. There was no second round draft pick who was the the fourth or fifth wide receiver where you ever put yeah. Justin. White. Yeah. So I'm with you. I'm not disappointed. I said before this season, don't expect too much from Sky Moore. And for some reason, folks were expecting like 700 yards He's going to be behind Travis Kelsey. He's going to be behind Juju. He's going to be behind MVS. He was going to be behind McCall Hardman. I, I don't know why folks were expecting the fifth option to get 500 yards, 600, 700 yards. If he ends up with 400 yards, that's a damn good season for where he's at. Yeah, he's a bad punt returner. That's not on him. Coaching staff should not put him in that situation. He's not been a returner. Why do it in the NFL? Yeah. Like, that's not his fault. I think it's the coaching staff's fault, personally. He'll be fine. We've seen the Jamar Chases, the Justin Jeffersons, right? We've seen guys have great rookie seasons. It happens. That's not to be expected with every single player. That's the, the outlier, in my opinion. Like, I feel like we saw those success stories, and we're like, why hasn't that happened for, for our guys? Some of them, they don't have the opportunity. Sky Moore's not had the opportunity of Justin Jefferson or, or Jamar Chase or even Alec Pierce. This was a, in my opinion, a long-term play. Sky Moore it was from a small school. He's a good route runner, good hands of Johnny Benchian hands. Give him time. I mean, seriously, give him time. If you're going to judge him and call, I've been seeing people call him a bust and I think that's just absolutely unfair and asinine. It's totally asinine. You're totally right. You're totally right about that. However, you said, look, who expected him? He's going to he, – you said, we know he's going to sit behind Travis, behind Juju, behind Marquez, behind McColl. Fine. Through all that, I'm going, yep, amen, brother, keep preaching, whatever. But then I'm also seeing him I, – I didn't expect him behind Justin Watson, behind okay. Kadarius Tony, behind Noah Gray. I mean, like, like behind Force – I mean, of all pass catchers, He's dead last in terms of anyone who should be on the radar. And I guess I'm wondering, I got to say, that's not what I expected. 
And early on, when the Chiefs had few wide receivers who were like getting any separation, the kid who was noted for his separation wasn't even getting like play scripted or anything like that. It just it felt like it felt like there's something that he's not picking up the mental side. He's not getting the playing time, whatever. And yeah, that concerned me. It doesn't help that he was chosen in the same stretch as Alec Pierce and, and George Pickens, right? Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I guess to that end, I agree that he was going to be behind all those guys. I just didn't see Justin Watson getting five targets in a game mm-hmm. and Sky Moore getting so little. I would say Watson, though, has been impressive. I, Watson has made yeah. some really good catches, and I, I don't want to take anything away from Justin Watson. Yeah, he's not super highly touted, obviously, but if you're going to perform, you're going to play. Yeah, he, He's been in the NFL, right? He's been at least in the NFL for a while, for a while now. Um, I, I'm just, I, I'm not there to start panicking on Sky Moore. I'm just not panicking. I, 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 I think it's just too soon. We've not seen Andy Reid play a ton of rookies. I mean, Tyreek Hill had a fine rookie season, but that's like the best that's ever happened for Kansas City rookies under Andy Reid. Yeah. It's, it's next year, if McColl's gone, and if MVS, whatever happens there, this was a, again, a longer outlook process. Sky Moore was not going to be a plug and play. It was going to be more of a wait and see. Yeah. Uh, let's stay at wide receiver. Kadarius Tony. I want to ask you about this. I, here, When I'm watching him on Sunday, one, I couldn't believe he got the first target, the first touch of the game, right? Like that was crazy. But watching him play, there was like, there were some, there were some tough blocks. There was like extra effort. There, like he was chippy. He was physical. Like the like the noted fluid athleticism and top speed was like, yeah, I see what they're getting at with that quick burst. But then he's like getting very physical, trying to like stretch the stretch the play and make the block. And on these limited snaps, I'm seeing this guy thinking. This guy plays above this guy punches above his weight. And I and if that's true about that package, this is going to be a steal. Like what did you think of that what you saw in limited snaps from Kadarius Tony? I think J. Cole, also J. Cole, you're doing a great job in the chat today. I've liked a lot of your comments. Tony looked like a dude that loved his job that day. Yeah. That is so true. I mean, it's Kadarius Tony. I think he wanted to prove that he's not that guy that he was with the Giants. I think that's part of it. I think he was like, I had this reputation with the Giants. I need to try and try and replace that. I, I want to be known as a team player, as a, as a guy who can make an impact. Because when you're a first-round draft pick just a season ago and you're already being traded, that means there's some question marks. When there's two different organizations or two different, um, let's say, you know, staff with the Giants who are like, yeah, he, he's not going to be part of the future for us. That has to kill some confidence. So he came to the Chiefs, a winning organization. He's behind some guys. He's like, all right, let's step up. Let's make a name for myself. Let's show I will do the little things. He knows how Andy Reid's offense and system works. The little things get you on the field. That's what originally got Justin Watson on the field, the little things. You know, the Demarcus Robinson stayed in Kansas City for a long time because of the little things. Marcus Kemp still on the Chiefs roster because (laughs) – of the little things. Yeah. So I think I think Kadarius Tony knows he can have a long NFL career if he does that. That'll get him on the field, and then he'll showcase what he can do. 
because you, you you saw it was like those two catches, right? Those two or the two plays he had. The shiftiness jumped off the page. You're sitting here going, your body's not supposed to move like that. <laughs> like it, it, that, no chance. The athleticism is there. This was, in my opinion, one of the best performances he could have shown without making a massive impact on the box score. This is what I wanted to see. He checked all the boxes that we needed to see as far as the, the little things. I'm enthused. Yeah, I the thought of having two and a half more years of him for what's really like a pick like a Dorian O'Daniel or uh, something like that is like very exciting to me. Um, I agree. It, let's let's look ahead here. Jacksonville, look, the Jacksonville Jaguars coming to town. Um, this is an easily a game that you're like, eh, okay. Let's uh, what else is coming up? Uh, are you worried at all about the Chiefs doing the same? What do you think of these Jags as they come to town? One thing that makes me at least a little, little nervous, Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson knows Kansas City very, very well. They don't have the horses, but they just came back against the, the Las Vegas Raiders, who I don't think the Raiders are a horrendous team. We keep saying they're better than the record, but eventually you are what your record says you are, right? Like the Raiders, keep, you keep looking going, well, they should be better than, what's it, two and six? And you're like, well, it's who they are. So maybe they should have blown that game. But Doug Peterson knows Kansas City well. He, he should have a good understanding of what the Chiefs are going to do. Travis Etienne has been very solid. I don't think Trevor Lawrence has had a great season by any means, but he has a few weapons. I think Christian Kirk legitimately has been good this year. Their defense is, is okay. Um, they're not a good team by any means, but the Chiefs can't play how they did against the Titans. Like Trevor Lawrence in that offense is better than Malik Willis and what's going on on the offense for, for Tennessee. Now the defense for Tennessee is better than, than the Jags, but y- you can't come out and play like you did against the Colts or against the Titans. I don't think they will. We've not seen the chiefs have back-to-back horrendous weeks yet. Have we, you know, I think, mm-hmm. you know, you'll have a bad week here and there. It's going to happen. So I don't expect back-to-back bad weeks, but again, you got to make sure you take the Jags seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, I think it's going to be fun to see, um, Travis Etienne, you know, play up close. Like it's going to be, I think he's an electric back. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Um, Yeah. I think you're right about Doug Peterson. I like rooting for the Jags like in a non-Chiefs kind of way because, you know, watching Peterson get fired from Philadelphia after having won. Bullshit. Wait, what is, what's bullshit? That he got fired or yeah, they got fired. I, I, I'm still salty. I'm still salty about that. Yeah, it just it just felt like they did a coach wrong. I mean, of course, now you can look and like, oh, I guess Morgan. they did the right thing. Yeah. But 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 I think that really reflected poorly on Peterson when it didn't need to be. I think he's a good coach, and so uh, I was glad to see the dumpster fire of Jacksonville organizationally make a decision to bring aboard maybe a more vanilla coach, but one who deserved a second chance, um, and to work with a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence in the first place. Um, so yeah, it, I was looking back at the last time these two teams played. You, do you remember the last time the Chiefs played the Jags was the Gardner Minshew debut? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, he, he went like 22 of 25 against the Chiefs defense. He was like, like, like Jacksonville had reason to go, do we just find the next late round gem? Because the Chiefs passing defense made him look actually quite competent in that in that game 
But then Sammy Watkins also had like almost 200 yards and three <laughs> touchdowns in that game. That's how long ago this has been. Like, like yeah. there's been a lot of turnover on both sides. These are not your, these are not maybe the Jags. If you haven't watched them lately, uh, they've got some impressive parts. Talk about the Philly connection though. Cause then Nick Foles was obviously in that game who won yeah. a Super Bowl with Doug Peterson in Again, I saw it's Peterson with a D, not a T. I know. I'm sorry if I miss, uh, you know, my mispronunciation. I know it's Peterson. Maybe I'm, I'm struggling to say Peterson here. But but obviously, Doug Peterson, Gardner Minshew, who was the backup for Philly and might still be the backup in Philly right now. It, it's hilarious, that that connection right now. Love it. And Love Reed. It. I mean, come on. This is wild. Yeah, it's good. Brian it's Westbrook to come out of retirement. <laughs> hey, do you – what do you – um? This, I think I saw the spread. I think it was like nine and a half. What, like, what do you want to make an early prediction for the game on Sunday? Nine and a half is too much. I, I will say that about almost any team in the NFL, it, it's nothing to do with, with Kansas City. Could they win by more than nine and a half? Yeah, they could. But nine and a half, I think the majority of the teams are going to cover. You know, how often do you play your A plus game? We've seen the Kansas City Chiefs play it maybe t- three times this year. Sure. I think sure. they played. The 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 uh the Bucks. Niners, the um the Tampa Bay. Car- Tampa Bay and the Cardinals, those three yeah. games. Outside of that, you, you've seen C I think C or B minus, that's what you hope for, right? You know, that's the majority of what's gonna happen. Yeah. So if you, if both teams play their B minus game, I think it's closer than than that. So yeah. that's my personal opinion. I just think nine and a half is too many points. Um I expect the Chiefs to win. I, you know, but, you know, even garbage time touchdowns happen. They're going to throw the ball. I mean, the, the Jags, they're going to throw it with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, that's true. I, I, w- I want to get to a couple of uh, questions from our Ring of Honor uh, members. Again, you can go to arrowheadaddict.com slash membership. Sterling, I'm going to serve these up to you in kind of a quick hit format. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to get you uh, to weigh in on the following, if you would. We'll start with something from J. Cole. Is Trey Smith's pectoral injury actually a much bigger deal than we've been led to believe? Now, I don't know for sure because I'm not, I'm not asking him, but it seems like it. I want your thoughts on this too, Matt Connor, but he was so good last year. Yeah. I know the sophomore slump or whatever it is, it's a real thing, but I don't think it's as much as an offensive lineman thing as it is other positions. I know you can get tape on a guy, but if you're a damn good offensive lineman, you're a damn good offensive lineman. I think he's a very good offensive lineman. I think the injury is is definitely limiting how good he is just overall. What about you? Yeah, I um, I'm more into sophomore ascension than uh, than a slump. I mean, sophomore slump as a phrase exists, but really with more experience and chemistry and reps, he should be better. So. I absolutely believe that there's something going on. I absolutely believe that there's, um, you know, something, some lingering injury hurting him in the same, you know, I think the same thing can be said of like Frank Clark and his, and and the illness, the stomach condition, whatever he is that he deals with a lot. Um, So, yeah, I think a lot of these things just can't appear on the injury report or, or they can't be described in such a way of the way that they linger and reduce someone's effectiveness, even if they can play. Um, and I think we just see like well, either they're healthy or they're not. So if he's healthy, then why is he not getting his two sacks a game or something like that? 
So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I think. Uh, Sean just said, I'm glad you brought up Smith. I'm starting to question if Veach should be looking at a guard a little higher than I once thought. Honestly, he was pretty bad the other night. I'll say this. I think Nick Allegretti can be a great stand-in as guard. Yes. I think Andrew Wiley could be an excellent stand-in as a guard. Of all the positions, I mean, it would like I think in a dream world we'd all love like yeah, go get another starting guard just in case. Quentin this Nelson, starts. Quentin Nelson, right, <laughs> Zach Martin. Right. Yeah, and so I mean, I've, Sean, I think you're right that there is some cause for concern. I also think the Chiefs have the horses to withstand like if Trey needed time off to deal with the injury or something like that. Um, I want to jump to another question from Evan here. Uh, by the way, just serve up your favorite here. He, he says, uh, what's your current favorite KC beer? Mm. Do you have one there? Ooh, the Carolator. The Carolator oh. was my that, – that, that's my favorite beer that KC beer has ever done. Yeah. Uh, it's the – what's it, the Koenig Einsbach, I think. It was in honor mm. of of the owner, Steve's his sister. Um, it is just the be- – maybe the best beer I've ever had in my entire life. I'm not even shitting you. The Carolator is that good. It's only especially when they bring it back at certain times throughout the throughout the year. Uh, I don't think it's on it right now. So they're as far as their like general beers, I love the Hellas Lager. It is so good. That's probably my go-to beer as far as the the everyday on tap Casey beer. All right. Uh, another another one from Evan here. Would you rather have Eric Berry or Jamal Ch- Jamal Charles back? And healthy, Jamal Boy, Charles. Like, Jamal Charles. Fantasy camp here, right? By the way, Jamal, Jamal Charles. Oh, and just for even his receiving, give him the ball in space. Like right now, I understand the run game has not been good for a multitude of of reasons, but that guy, they knew the Chiefs were running, and he would still get five and a half yards. Think of it now. Oh man, the box is light. He'll find a way. Like that guy, RPO doesn't matter. He'll find a way to get yards. That guy was a unicorn. For a guy who thinks running backs don't necessarily make a massive difference, Jamal Charles, that guy made a massive difference. Yeah, yeah. It's so sad that their careers didn't overlap. I mean, just a few years apart to have seen like a generational talent in Charles join a generational talent with Mahomes. I mean, it just would have been – I think the NFL would have just said, just start playing in January. Like, like leave the rest <laughs> of us alone. Uh, yeah. Um, well, let's Charles, by the way, he's only 35, you know, <laughs> dude, if Frank Gore, if Frank Gore can, can uh, linger like he does, I, I love that. Um, hey, let's jump forward here. Let's do the must list. Um, where's our boy, Richard. What's up guys. Wait, what was what was that? What was what? What was what I was doing? I don't know. I was rocking out. I thought he was going to start banging on the, that symbol. So there we yeah. go. That's well, not I don't want to break everyone's eardrum. I'm trying to be a nice guy. Are we guy. good guys? Are we good yeah. guys? Everyone, our ears are fine. I think we're good. Yeah, yeah. I got blisters on me fingers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to the must list. If you've if you're new to the show, we just like to recommend stuff. And it started as like it started with categories, and now we're just into like, hey man, here's what I'm into right now: oxygen. That's what I'm into. Whatever. So, uh, Sterling, let's start with you this week. What's on your must list? Uh, Aerosmith's album "Toys in the Attic." What an album! 
the best Aerosmith album, okay? Toys in the Attic, obviously. Uncle Salty, big 10-inch record, which a little, little dirty, but great song, right? Uh, Walk This Way. Come on. That album's outstanding. I actually have a um, Kramer drumhead right back. Oh, I should probably get it out. But Aerosmith, he gave me a drumhead that was really cool. So uh, he actually played hmm. on it too. Pretty sweet. Sweet emotion on that, right? Yeah, sweet emotion on that album as well. So I will die on the hill. That was Aerosmith's best album. Yeah, I can't I can't argue with that. Although I I like some of their individual songs elsewhere. Richard, do you, I mean, are you into Aerosmith at all, Richard? Do you like Toys yeah. in the Attic? I listen to an Aerosmith. I've, I've I've listened to. I think my dad had a bunch of albums. I think he had Toys in the Attic. Uh, he had a few others. It's a good band. It's great. Yeah, you got it, Richard or uh, oh. Sterling. What is that? There's the there's the drum head that was that was played on. Man, love it, uh, Richard. What do you got for us? What's your uh, what's your list, my friend? For this week, I think uh, I couldn't really think of anything. So usually my go-to now is just to grab a vinyl from the collection and just show that off. So this week we're just gonna recommend. 2000, yeah, from 2000, Granddaddy's, God damn it, Granddaddy's Software Slump. This is a good album. This album rules. It's an awesome concept album about uh, the future, or maybe a future that isn't as fantastic as you'd assume. It's mainly filled with trash and just working dead-end jobs. Sounds like today, <laughs> right? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I love this band. I, I just, you know, I think my sister told me about them when I was, like, in high school and got me off of really bad music. So, Granddaddy, the software slump. What do you think is really bad music? Now I'm intrigued by this. Oh, I mean, okay, maybe not all music. Okay, it's a totally, you know, it's objective. I, I, I used to listen to like, like a European techno. <laughs> like, okay, I used to no, listen yeah, to like you're right. Yeah, really, good, good for her. <laughs> really weird stuff. Uh, and then my sister's like, you need to stop doing that. Here's Pavement. Here's a Granddaddy. And yeah, here's Elliot Smith. And then boom, my brain was fried from that moment forward. Hey, Matt, by, by the way, Matt, is this you who writes random things on the must list for us instead? Like for Richard, it says the nutritional information on the back of a Pop-Tarts box. No, I wrote that. Yeah, is that you, awesome. Richard? I wrote so that. So guys, we actually have a show sheet. Again, <laughs> we always say, believe it or not, we actually try and have some sort of, of structure like we do. And every time I get to what the must list is, someone, apparently it's Richard, writes random ass shit instead of what we're going to have going to have for mine. Mine says in all capital letters, beat drums, beat drums, animal from Dr. Teeth and electric mayhem. I have no <laughs> idea what that even means. What? You don't what? know who that is. What? Beat no. drums. <laughs> it's the band from the Muppets. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. The drummer. He's the drummer. Animals. Oh, drummer. Okay. There we go. Dude, you have drumheads behind you. Do you think you I don't... listen to the Muppets dog? Like, yeah, sorry. In my age 28 year, I'm out here just freaking chilling with watching the Muppets. You can't insult your way out of this one. You, <laughs> All yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll take the credit. That's just, you I'm an idiot. It. You blew it. Uh, by the way, I love that you wrote that, Richard. That's pretty funny. That's great. Yeah, that's also, let's give Matt Connor some, some credit, though. I think a few weeks he's been writing silly stuff there, too. <laughs> no way. Yes, way. Hey, much for this week, have you guys seen Bonnie and Clyde, the movie? In, in years. It's been like a decade or two, I think, for me, actually. I've been like, expo- so I'm going, I've been going back and rewatching, uh, not rewatching, I'm watching all the best Oscar winners, like over the years to see like which ones I like best. And I like, and as I make my way back, I'm like, well, wait, I've also never seen that one. And that was nominated this year for something, whatever. So when I got to 67, suddenly I was like, I've never seen Bonnie and Clyde. And then I watch it. Warren Beatty, by the way, is like he was like badass before like 
Bond badass or I don't know. He's, he's just mm-hmm. amazing. But man, I'm watching Bonnie and Clyde. I'm like, hell, this is like a killer movie. I mean, they actually kill people, so I guess it's really, really <laughs> But anyway, I, yeah, I love it. I love it. Who's, so, who's, uh, who plays Bonnie in that? Is it is it Faye Dunaway or something? I, I always believe forget. you're right. I believe you're yeah. right. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'm just checking. Yeah, it's great. She's, it's she's not awesome just, too. It's not just like, oh yeah, it's classic. You should like it. It's like just a great film. Uh, it's a good movie. Today. Yeah. So uh, that's my that's my must list there. Mm. Anyway, Sterling, get us out of here. This was the Arrowhead Addict. Richard is the producer who does everything behind the scenes, everything important. Without him, we could not do anything. Listen to his album, Granddaddy. I'm sure it's absolutely outstanding. Matt Connor, I love doing this with you every single week. I always laugh, always have fun. And you have the best hair on the show. Don't let anyone tell you different. Everyone who comments on YouTube, anything at all, we really do appreciate it. Everyone in the Discord, thank you guys so much for your support. If you want to drop us a review on Apple or wherever you guys do your reviews at, we would really, truly appreciate that. Uh, If you voted, congratulations. Vote for whoever you want. But voting is kind of cool, right? I always feel very patriotic when I vote. I'm always like, fuck yeah, I actually voted. I did my duty. Kind of cool. But thank you guys so much for listening. I'll be back with Adam Best tomorrow on Thursday. We'll have Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam keeping you guys updated with all Chiefs news. Until then, we are out. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.